Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron. And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. We're coming at you live from a cliff inside of the scamp, and there's a rainbow right in front of her face. It's like, amazing. Probably how many miles away is that? It's hard to tell with rainbows. <laughs> it really is. Even clouds, it's really hard to tell how far away everything is. Do, and the rocks. Do rainbows have a specific origin, or is it all a matter of perspective? That's Next time question. on... <laughs> <laughs> quandaries of scamp life. Well, you can see that side of the rainbow, the right side, and you can see the left side of the rainbow way over there yeah. to our left it's a double rainbow over there too yeah we have been getting wind storms and rainstorms almost every afternoon and evening here i think it is the way it is in utah i don't know because for the first couple of weeks we would just get wind and it would look like it was going to rain and yeah. then it wouldn't rain yeah we've been here for four weeks now mm-hmm. in this area we've moved i think this is our third spot yeah it's Awesome. We're on top of a mesa right now, and we can see... Miles and miles and miles. Yeah, there's like ridge lines and other mesas and all different types of... Well, not all different types, but a bunch of junipers and then pine trees off in the distance and snow-capped mountains in the far distance. I think that this red rock here beats Sedona easily. Easy. I don't know about the rock. Like the rock in Sedona with the green... Like, the rock is super red in Sedona, and it's so lush there, too. But out here, I think it's more vast. You can find that in areas, pockets of that red rock here. Totally. And I think it beats Sedona, for sure. Yeah, like the Escalante River hike was... Mm-hmm. Um, that was really beautiful. Yeah, this this area is at least competitive with Sedona. I don't know which... It's different enough to where I couldn't really stack them against one another. The theme of today's podcast is food is fuel. And I think I... Did you come up with that? I don't know. I, I would. I don't think so because it's too catchy. Yeah. Um, but you've been saying food is fuel for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think there's... Like, the caveat to that is that nutrition is health. Mm. Like, food is fuel and nutrition health. Because mm-hmm. if you only think of food as fuel and you exclusively fuel your body with like carbs and fats, then just completely disregard nutrition, mm-hmm. then you could run into issues. Yeah. But like primarily thinking just to just to live, thinking of food as fuel rather than flavors mm-hmm. is a really good way to approach it, I think. We've had to develop an actual sense of food as fuel based on what we can keep inside of the scamp without having a fridge and with the size of the scamp, the size, the amount of food that we're allowed to have, we've had to really think about what is most appropriate to be eating. Whereas in the city, we had a freezer and we had a huge pantry. Do you want to talk about how we ate in the city? Yeah. To kind of give people perspective into where we were at before? Yeah, we'll start there. We loved Trader Joe's, still do, 
Oh, they have some of my favorite snacks. That orange chicken. Yeah. Oh my god. Our freezer could be full of maybe I feel like up to three bags of that orange sesame chicken. And their uh, they had a stir fry of some kind that we would eat often. Yeah, several. They've got a lot of good freezer food, so we just fill our freezer with that type of good. <laughs> Not good though, from a nutritional standpoint. Well, it's good and preserved. You can <laughs> have it for a long time, and we wouldn't go to the stores often in the city because we'd have a lot more foods that would be shelf stable, snacks, chips. And out here now, we go to the store more frequently when it's available, right? We go to the store almost every time that we're in town because we often get fresh things all the time because we can't store them for very long. And now we're eating, we generally prefer fresh foods more so than we did at that time. That was almost three years ago now when we were in the city eating a diet that wasn't I wouldn't at all consider it healthy. I ate a lot of cheese, a lot of carbs. Like it was quesadillas, and I ate a pizza, ton of pasta. A lot of chipotle, eating yeah. out. We ate out all the time. I drank a lot more alcohol then, too. Yeah. I spent a lot of money on food. I would eat, like, a whole bag of pasta and just pasta sauce and, like, pour a bunch of cheese on it and stuff. And that would be your only meal for the day. Yeah, I would. Well, I guess, yeah, I was effectively intermittent fast, fasting. I would just drink coffee and whatever throughout the day and work. And then at the end of the day, I would just eat like 3,000 calories worth of pasta. <laughs> Which, I don't know, it worked okay, but I feel like long term, that's not the best way to do it. And I don't think that, we're not going over this and saying all these things to say that this is the wrong way to do food. But just to look at how we were doing it differently. Because now... We have to be super thoughtful about food. And food as fuel kind of defines the way that we eat now. Yeah. And so now we eat a lot more fats than we did um, when we were living in the city. And we will generally fast throughout the earlier parts of the day. And then I will generally begin eating... Uh, actual food in the afternoon. Yeah, because one of my favorite ways to do mornings now, just because I don't want to get stuff out, especially in the cold, get stuff out to make breakfast. I usually have cacao, which is full of fat. Um, If not that, I'll make a drink, matcha or something with some coconut oil, and that usually tides me over until 11 or 12. And that's when I should be eating something like a salad or greens, but I usually go straight to fruit like a banana, or lately I've been eating a lot of oatmeal, because that's easy to make. Yeah, so the idea is to not break your fast with breakfast, to like continue that fast that your body's already on by giving it fats, so that your body leverages the fats as fuels because they're slow-burning fuel, rather than switching into glycolysis and burning glucose. Because if you give your body any sugar, then your body will process that sugar it'll not use the fats and then you'll crave sugar throughout the day so if you were to like start your day with cereal that's like exclusively sugar then throughout the day you'll continue to be hungry and you will have to like keep satiating yourself whereas if you start the day with an avocado for example or like tea with coconut oil then you can continue to persist throughout the day and not get as hungry But we couldn't be eating like this 
in the city anyway. We had to do a lot more mentally strenuous things for work when we were working yeah. in the city. So I couldn't go to work or go to my face paint jobs or anything without having eaten because I had to have enough energy to do what I was doing. And when you were building websites and stuff and working for Motive, you had to be fueled mentally. Yeah, and well, and oftentimes I, I need to or I want to eat more when I'm bored or doing things that I don't want to be doing. You know, so if I, if I'm doing work or like going to the office when I was working at Engineology and stuff and going downtown all the time, I would eat a lot more just because I was bored mm -hmm. more than anything. But back then, I don't think that I understood how to fuel myself with fats mm -hmm. and that abstaining from sugar would make me less hungry because it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, I suppose in every lifestyle, no matter if you're living in the forest in a camper or living in the city, avoiding sugar is the best thing that you can do for yourself. It's difficult though. Right. Because okay. everything has sugar in it. And we're pushed all kinds of products that were, are unknowingly full of sugar. Right. Even like, sports drinks and totally. health supplements and even pasta sauce. And lots of greens powder even has a bunch of sugar in it. So, and then, like, driving on the highway past all these red and yellow signs that are, like, screaming. Eat me! Yeah, it's really difficult to have the mental to just ignore all that. So, talk about intent, because that's something that you are always mentioning to, to people when we are talking about food and our diet and everything. So, uh, I think that's the best place, and I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian or any of these things, but I've um, studied this stuff enough to where uh, I know enough to, like, help me. So hopefully this can be helpful for you. But know that everything that we're saying, like, we're learning as we go. And we may misspeak or make something up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first thing I think to establish is what your intent is with your diet. So if you're trying to eat to, like, put on muscle, that's one thing. If you're trying to lose fat... That's another. If you're trying to frugally fuel yourself so that um, you can eat for like the least amount of money possible, mm. that's another thing. If you're trying to be like absolutely nutritious or if you want to have an ecologically sound diet or if you want to eliminate inflammatory or um, like allergen causing foods, that's another thing. So before you begin... Um, to establish intent and figure out what you're trying to do, I think is a super helpful thing. And what your fuel is. Right. And that fuel and that intent can vary day to day. Mm -hmm. So like, um, if we're going on a hike or something, I may eat more calories earlier in the day versus if we're just going to go work at a coffee shop, I'll probably try not to break my fast and like stay on fat. That being said, we've been crushing brownies at the... <laughs> local coffee shop lately yeah we need to move away from this town <laughs> yeah their brownies <laughs> are too brownies. good um but yeah establishing intent is an important thing to figure out what you want to do and then you have to like pair that with whatever uh physical activity that you that you're doing and mental activity right that's a great point too so everything that we're saying is based on our intent and our situation and the variables that we have currently and are generally dealing with in this camp. 
So we would probably eat differently if we had like a fridge available. And when we were just cooking on the BioLite camp stove, we ate quite differently than we do now. It changes seasonally too, based on yeah. what's available. It based it's based on the towns that we're in and what food is we have access to. So, for example, fresh greens are hard to come by in this town. Uh, there's plenty of oranges available, so we've been eating tons of oranges. Uh, peanut butter has been a thing that I can get cheap, just to like, because I'm about as lean as I want to be, so I don't want to lose a lot more weight. So I'll like supplement with peanut butter and honey sandwiches with like flax seed and different seeds on them. You are going through a jar of peanut butter like every two to three days. I'm sorry about it. (laughs) Not every two to three days. Probably every uh, four days. No. No. (laughs) Because, unfortunately, our trunk is full of glass peanut butter jars. It would be nice if we could get large peanut butter jars so that we wouldn't have to go through them so fast and create so much waste, but... I want to try the uh, dried... Dehydrated peanut butter. Yeah, that you like the powdered stuff and rehydrate it. I feel like one of the reasons we haven't ever tried that is it's kind of expensive and it usually comes in plastic tubs or plastic and they're bags. Really giant. That's another thing that we think about too in terms of our diet is the amount of waste and packaging that comes with it because not only do we not have room to store a lot of food, we have a trash can that is the size of a common office or bathroom trash can. And we cannot hold a lot of trash. And there's not a lot of options for us to dump our trash outside of gas stations and public trash cans that are just around towns. Oftentimes there are recycling centers available, though. So recycling is easier than trash. But then we have to store all of our recycling. So we try to do our, we do our best to not have a ton of packaging. And once we get to know a town, we can generally, like, get away with that we can produce less waste but when you first get to a place it's hard to know which stores you can go to and a lot of small towns you can't buy in bulk so that's kind of a limiting factor too so not producing trash and waste can be really difficult in our culture because everything comes in plastic and oftentimes even if you're buying greens they come in a plastic box or a plastic bag you know so there there are lots of things that we have to like sort of go against the grain with in our culture. And our culture's perspective on food is really crazy, if you mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, food overdose is one of the leading causes of death in America, between, like, heart disease and diabetes and um, obesity and all these different things. It's like our relationship with food isn't really healthy at all. It's more, it's been so commercialized sold to us like what what's advertised as breakfast food to us in america is pretty baffling yeah it's blasphemous yeah walking down the (laughs) breakfast food aisle you'll see juice boxes fruit snacks toaster strudels and pop tarts yeah all the things that like we said earlier are just full of sugar and that's the worst way to start your day because once you start with sugar then your body craves that and your mind, you like your insulin response kicks in and you're like in glycolysis and that's all that your body wants is more sugar. So you have to keep feeding yourself sugar, otherwise you'll crave it. That didn't and make sense crash, to me. I didn't fully, I had read about that and people talk about this, but it this didn't make sense to me until I actually started cutting sugar out of my diet. But even now that we've added these freaking daily brownies back in, <laughs> every evening I'm like, okay, 
okay, what is in here that I could eat that's sugary? And what's helpful, that's part of why we've been eating so many freaking oranges, is because it's kind of like a, a juice box in itself. Yeah. Cool. Juice pockets. <laughs> so the whole three meals a day prescription is really wild. And I used to, like when I was younger, I would naturally want to skip meals and I would eat like big meals, like one big meal a day. And uh, people would tell me that that's unhealthy and tell me that I'm doing it wrong and all this stuff. But I really don't think three meals a day is the way to go. Unless you're uh, doing a lot of like physical training or I guess you could do that nutritionally, like nutri in a nutritionally sound way. But um, just eating the standard prescribed three meals a day, I don't think makes any sense. It's all based on your intent. Totally. If you're trying to lose weight, I think it's better to be eating, they say, like consistent small meals and healthy snacks throughout the day to keep your metabolism running. Yeah. Right? I, I think in a, like in a utopian world where like human responses weren't part of it, that makes sense. But once you do eat something early in the day, then your body craves more food. So if you have the mental discipline to not eat and you can just be hungry and have your body like uh, processing food and your metabolism running quickly, then great. But I don't think like I don't have the mental discipline to do that, especially if food is available. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too, with with the studying and all the information about ketosis and stuff that's out there. It's been interesting to see the amount of people who have been fasting and then eating a lot of fats and oils and carbs. No, not carbs, that's wrong. It's been interesting to see all the people who run with the not eating and then eating a lot of fats, a lot of saturated fats, um, very little greens and healthy nutrient-dense foods. It's interesting how you can kind of go, you can take these, this health information all kinds of different ways that aren't even necessarily beneficial. It's not always best to fast. It's not always best to eat a lot of fats. Yeah, I, I feel like fasting, it depends on your intent, again. But I think generally um, people aren't trying to put on fat weight like they're not trying to like build their physiology out of fat but it, it's sort of counterintuitive because if you're eating fat then you don't so so how it works is when you're when you have when you're eating sugar your body's in glycolysis and that's making ATP or breaking down glucose into ATP or adenosine triphosphate and that's like the fundamental uh, fuel source that the mitochondria in our cells use, right? So if you're eating sugar, then the excess fuel is stored away in the, your fatty tissues. And your body like stores that in case of a time of famine or a time of um, where like food's not available. Because our physiology hasn't caught up with this time of abundance that we live in, right? So... If, we're, if you're eating fat, then it like clicks the body into ketosis and it's kind of slippery. Like people, 
almost treat it like it's a binary switch. Like it's either on or it's off. And people measure it in like millimolars in their blood or in their urine or whatever. But I don't know. I, I haven't really like experimented with that myself. But from the experiments that I have done, if I completely eliminate sugar and eat exclusively fat, like especially in the morning and throughout the day into like the afternoon, then I need far less fuel and I'm maintaining a lean body composition. But this is what I mean, where this information is all out there. So then people say, I'm on this ketogenic diet. I'm just going to eat a ton of fat and meat. Well, if you're, yeah, like bacon, like people go full keto and then they're just like slamming bacon all the time, which uh, it just depends on how you measure health, you know, like long term, that's probably not great, but you could you could theoretically fuel your body just with bacon and not get fat because your body, when you, f when you click it into ketosis, it's eating, your body is metabolizing fats as fuel. So it will also use your body fat as fuel. If you're in ketosis, if you're in glycolysis, mm. it's doing the opposite. So if you have excess food or excess fuel, it takes longer to tap into your fat stores and you feel like depleted when you're in glycolysis. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think I just, that's how it works. I don't think that I would feel very good eating fully ketogenic, fully fats. I feel so much healthier when I have a lot of vegetables and greens and even fruits in my diet. Yeah. I don't know how I could survive on fats only. Some Everybody's body is different though too. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, like for us... What we've found, and I've tried doing, like, full keto for a while, and I did feel mentally sharp and physically sharp and everything, but we've also done exclusive, like, eaten vegan for a couple months and just eaten, like, exclusively vegetables, or almost exclusively vegetables, and I felt great with that, too. So I think it's a mix of those things, and in saying that, you can't go, like, okay, today I'm going full bore keto, and I'm just going to slam bacon, and then, like, at night, eat a bunch of pasta, you know? Because then you, like, your blood lipids spike and all those things. So that's not, like, super good. But I think, what's the the saying? Eat food. Or, Michael Pollan yeah. said, eat food, meaning eat real food, whole foods, including meat, healthy versions, options of dairy, fresh produce. Just even not processed Whole crap. grain foods, yeah, just unprocessed foods. Eat foods, not too much, mostly plants. That is my favorite quote-unquote diet regimen that makes me feel the best. Agreed. We have to do things pretty, pretty differently. We've touched on a little bit of it, but living in the scamp, we have had to completely change everything about our relationship with food. How often we're going to the grocery store, what we're storing, even how we're cooking is completely different than how we were able to cook in the city. It's kind of funny, too. I didn't know how to cook at all when we lived in the city <laughs> because we had so many options for eating out or for pre-made frozen foods that we could just heat up. For the first year that we lived in the scamp, we only had the BioLite wood-burning cook stove. Well, a year and a half. Yeah. What prompted us to buy our propane standard propane stove was a fire ban last summer, so we weren't allowed to use our wood-burning stove. So at that time, what were we eating? A lot of um, 
we do a lot of like saute a lot of food, stir yeah. fries and a lot of soup. Mhm. I, I peanut butter and honey sandwiches have always been a staple for me. Mhm. Anytime that I need cuz Elsa doesn't need to eat as much as I do. Um just cuz I weigh like I'm 30% more than you do or something, 40% more. Um so I will supplement my diet with Dave's bread's probably my favorite. Dave's bread is the best bread. Dave's bread's the best bread. Um, and then good peanut butter that doesn't have any added ingredients like palm, palm oil, oil or whatever. And then um, I love hemp seed on those and ground flax seed and chia seed. Um, and then I'll do like if we have mushroom powders and stuff, I'll do that on there. And then a little bit of um, cinnamon is good. And a little bit of salt. And my, then some good honey. My favorite go-to when I'm hungry is apples and almond butter. Love that. And dates. You were eating a oh ton of dates God. for a while. Dates, bananas, and almond butter is the best thing. We love adding the additional seeds and nuts and powders to our foods just as an added source of nutrients. We try to keep a thing of chia seeds and hemp seeds and flaxseed pretty much all the time just because you it's an easy way to add protein because mm -hmm. we don't eat a ton of meat because we don't keep ice in our cooler and we it's just like more practical to not right so we don't eat a ton of meat and honestly a lot of it is ecological too like I don't like eating um, farmed like factory farmed meats just because I feel bad for the cows. And for the earth. <laughs> yeah, it's just a... Uh, like, Wasteful. Yeah. Truly. It doesn't really make any sense. Unfortunately, it's like the staple of the American diet, but yeah. it's more practical for us not to eat meat. So, I guess some of the, fugal, some of the frugal fuel types that we eat, um, apples, peanut butter, lots of seeds like we mentioned, coconut oil, beans, uh, quinoa... Rice, protein powder, uh, nuts, avocados, eggs, sardines, and what else? Some other I fruits. I love and greens. sardines. So does camp. Yeah, sardines are great. Greens powder. Greens powder. Especially too. in the winter when we don't have access to fresh produce. Greens powder is a great way to supplement nutrition. And then with protein powders, we like to get um, like plant-based protein powders rather than whey protein. Because supposedly the whey protein can um, cause inflammation. And the way that whey protein is derived is kind of wild if you look it up. What do we get? Because I don't eat soy as it's much as I can. It's protein primarily. Oh, okay. But truly, I don't... I mean, protein is important, I guess. But it's not as important as I feel like it's prescribed. Right. Like, have you ever heard of a protein-deficient human before? No, I haven't. So I kind of... I mean... I don't go to the gym. I'm not working out a lot like a a crazy workout person, but I don't really eat the protein powder like you do. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess we'll see if not having enough protein is affecting my body, but... Our body composition is a little bit different, too. And I'm like, I, I don't want to lose more weight, you know? Like, I've weighed all the way up to, like, 200 pounds. Dang. And, um, I didn't 
like I probably had more fat on me, but my muscle was a lot less dense mm-hmm. and I had a lot more weight on my thighs and stuff and I was just bigger. And now I'm at like 165 and I'm probably as lean as I would like to be, I guess. So I'm trying to like maintain mm-hmm. at this point. It just mostly, I not even aesthetically, but I feel like if I lost more weight, then I would lose strength, you know? So I'm trying to like stay where I'm at. I don't, and I, I feel the healthiest that I've felt though, you know. Mm-hmm, me too. And I climb. I can climb as hard as I ever have been able to, and I don't feel like weak. You know what is not ever talked about, but is the I'd say the number one thing that's most beneficial in a diet is water. Yeah, that's a good. Staying point. hydrated has been profoundly beneficial for me. I realized that last month when I was really sick, I could tell each day if I hadn't had enough water, it would be significantly harder for me to go through the day than the days where I did drink more water. Especially in the morning. Oh yeah. Starting out your day with a big glass of water and just having a water bottle with you all the time. It's huge, but nobody ever talks about how important hydration is. And get a good water bottle that you can refill. Like, don't go out and buy the plastic water bottles every day just because that's kind of redundant. And truly, you would, if you have a good water bottle, it's more enjoyable to drink out of that than it is some crappy... Yeah, um, keeping your water cold or your coffee hot, for example, not even in the water realm, but... It's better, too, for your wallet. Yeah, these are facts. That's a lot of how we eat is so that we can do it frugally. And it was more of an issue before because we were on a tight budget for a long time. As we were, like, figuring this out and starting to do this, like, we didn't have a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Learning how to make money as we were doing this, too. So back then we were eating a lot more beans and, like... We even ate canned fish for a minute. Yeah, like canned salmon and... Boxed mac and cheese. Yeah. Ramen. I still like ramen, though. Well, you can soup ramen up pretty well. Yeah. The Morishan ramen is probably not best because it has, like, oil byproducts in it. But there are good ramen packs that you can get and put, like we said, a bunch of different Mm. seeds and greens and everything. Yeah. And you can make ramen super good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also what really influenced our diet and taught us how to eat different vegetables was working on the farm. Yeah, for sure. Because every week we would get a box of fresh, fresh vegetables. And oftentimes we'd never heard of the vegetables like Romanesco cauliflower and kohlrabi and, uh, daikon radishes and even arugula. I had no idea what any of these things were. And, um, so we had to figure out how to eat those things because we had to eat them or they would spoil. Yeah. So. But to touch on the financial part of it, I yeah. mean, we ate those foods because they were given to us in trade for our volunteer effort on the farm. Right. But we learned how to eat the crappy cheap fruit food and then switch to better fuel, more fats, less sugars, less carbs. And now... I mean, I would say that we spend a lot less on food now, even though it's a lot of more expensive organic food. We buy a lot of seeds and nuts. I would say that we spend less on food than we did in the city. Oh, for sure. Because we're not eating out all the time. We're making most of our meals. Um, 
it was kind of an evolution to get to this point from cheap, low-quality food to expensive, high-quality food, but now we are eating so much better that we don't require as much food to keep us running. I think part of that is because the food that we eat now is far more nutritionally sound. So we can eat less, but since it's really nutritionally dense food, we don't have to eat as much. And when you get used to eating foods like this, I remember back when I had a really terrible diet in college and everything, if I had had one of those baked crackers that are very good to me now versus a Dorito, I would always pick the Dorito. But now, I mean, Doritos, they taste good. They're full of sugar and cheese. And I think they have been studied and are actually addicting. But a Dorito is not at all as satiating as that healthy organic baked cracker and my body goes toward the more satiating food because that's what I'm used to now and I think a lot of it is adjusting your palate Mm -hmm. and that like I for a long time I couldn't eat white creamy things like (laughs) I still don't like ranch dressing and mayonnaise and things like that just gross me out and I and I really don't have any reason to eat them because they're just not good for you um, but bananas, for example, one, a couple years ago, my new year's resolution was to be able to eat bananas and now, <laughs> and I did it like, why they would make me gag for in like, ugh, like I just thought they were gross. I remember I would eat them and be, that would be like my adventure food and yeah. you'd say no, I, I couldn't eat them. They would, they're awesome foods for satiating your body right. and, and they're so cheap, full of potassium. Yeah. And yeah, they're an excellent food, but for a long time, I just couldn't stomach them. But over time I would like mix them into smoothies and stuff. And I like trained my palate to like be okay with them. So even if you don't like nutritionally sound foods that it sort of makes sense because a lot of the foods that we eat in our culture are engineered to be tasty. And the same thing goes for like dog food. If you give dogs kibble, it's been like oftentimes sprayed with things that trigger their brain to want to eat them. You know, it's not that they're choosing kibble over the, um, like good meat sitting next to it because the kibble is more nutritionally sound. It's because it's been sprayed with chemicals that dupe their brain into wanting to eat that. And the same goes with human food. Like that's why McDonald's and stuff tastes so good. It's got so much sugar and MSG and like just crap hidden in it that we will, go to that because it tricks our brains into throwing a party when we eat it but it's not because it's more nutritionally sound that's why it's so cheap too right it's because all those elements are very cheap right like bleached wheat flour and all these different things like when i was a kid i didn't even like i i would only eat white bread you know and i thought anything other than white bread was just gross but i trained my palate over time and once i I'm more like logically inclined. So once I learned that there's a lot more nutrition in the other types of breads, then I would eat them. And then once you start eating those other types of breads and your palate has adjusted, you realize that those types of breads keep you fuller longer. Right. And I don't even, I don't even think I would eat just standard wonder bread anymore. Um, so do you want to talk about some of our favorite meals and things that we do eat often? Yeah. I mentioned I have cacao for breakfast most mornings. 
if not cacao, though, when we're close to a grocery store and have access to all the foods that we like, I like to eat apples and almond butter as one of my first things, because then I do get my fruit, my kind of sugar fix, and then I also get my fats of the almond butter, and that usually lasts a while. For breakfast, I normally don't eat breakfast. I've never really been a huge fan of breakfast, even when I was younger. Um, but I will normally eat, or I'll normally drink tea and mix some kind of fat in it, or drink cacao and mix different mushroom powders and coconut oil and maybe a little bit of coffee. Um, and sometimes if, if I'm doing something more active, then I might have a little bit of protein powder. Um, I'll often drink greens powder in the morning, and I try to get greens powders that have little to no sugar so that it doesn't click on my uh, insulin, insulin response. Um, and then I can make sure that I'm handling my nutritional needs through the greens powder because then if my body gets hungry, I'm like, well, I'm nutritionally sound, so then I can kind of like talk myself out of eating. Mm. And then I guess lunch or like later in the day or afternoon. And like we said, we don't eat on a consistent pattern really. Um, but yeah, I just try to break my fast and eat sugar, um, like as late as I can into the day. I love to eat salads. I learned that last month as I was sick and trying to avoid all carbs and sugars. I do, I mean, I've, I've liked salads for a long time, but my go-to salad dressing is one part olive oil. No, it's two parts olive oil, one part balsamic, one part tahini added uh, with some salt and some nutritional yeast, and oh, it is the best to put on some arugula and spinach. I love kale with hemp seed nuts. I never used to like salad, like my whole life until the last probably five years. It was the farm. It was the Teaching farm. Us yeah, how to two like and a half, greens. three years. Yeah. Because I always thought salads just came with ranch and like all these gross dressings. But also the the types of greens you get at the store are nowhere near as delicious as That's local true. greens that are grown organically in quality soil. And Let harvested. Us, at, uh, yeah, right prior to eating. Right, and they're in season too. Mm-hmm. But lettuce at the store just tastes like nothing. Radishes taste like nothing. And I still don't store. like like iceberg lettuce and stuff just kind of grosses me out. There's not much to it. Yeah, but like Napa cabbage, super good. And we were eating that on, um, or like uh, what other, like purple cabbage, eating that as like lettuce wraps. Mm-hmm. And oh, our um, spring rolls. That's one of our favorite things. Oh, yeah. Spring rolls are really easy because we don't have to do any type of cooking. It only required boiling water for the rice wraps and we usually put sometimes we'll get some frozen shrimp and put that in there but usually it's just carrots cucumbers avocado we'll put some hemp seeds in there and the best easiest dressing ever peanut spicy peanut dressing is peanut butter sriracha it's the garlic sriracha that comes in the little jar with the green lid i think it's the same company as the standard sriracha but it's a little chunkier it's got standard. garlic in it. Yeah. And then soy sauce. But I try not to eat soy, so I put in coconut aminos instead, which makes it a little bit sweeter. So you've got the saltiness from the soy or coconut aminos, the spicy from the sriracha, 
and then the sweetness of the peanut butter. Oh my god, it is so good. It makes anything that you put in the spring roll just taste fire. It is so good. But that's a really easy nomad food that doesn't require cooking. One other ingredient that we'll normally do is those little rice noodles Mm, to mm kind of make them more voluptuous. Yeah, I think most spring rolls have noodles of some kind. Those spring rolls are incredible. Yeah, we haven't made them in a long time. That's kind of a spring and summer food. The spring rolls. The coconut curry is really good too. Mm-hmm. The an easy way to do that is with the Amy's soups. If you get the coconut curry Amy's soup and then cut up like um, sweet potatoes, mushrooms, and green beans. Yeah. But another really easy way to do it is get some broth. You can get the pre-made curry paste, some coconut milk. And stir that all together with some vegetables, and that is a coconut curry soup. That is so good, especially the day after. Let yeah. it sit in your fridge or sit in your cooler. Um, another way to do uh, pretty nutritionally sound food is just to get those good, like, Amy's soups are our favorite. So whatever kind of soup you like. And then look on it and see what vegetables are in it, and then supplement the soup with... Your, whatever vegetables sort of match it. And then you can make it go, like you can get one can of soup and then share it between two people easily if you like add all your different vegetables and stuff into it. That is a good way to do soup, but I can't really remember the last time I had an Amy's soup, honestly. I've been drinking a lot of bone broth. And I, also we like to saute vegetables. That's a really good cheap option, sauteing vegetables in coconut oil with some salt. Our diet was pretty different too in the winter when we had the wood stove available all the time. Like then I did eat like the chilies and different things like that because the wood stove was always going so we could just put whatever we wanted in. Um, the ceramic pot and let it slowly heat up. Ramen too and different types of noodles. That was really good. I am getting kind of hungry. Are, what are we going to make tonight? I don't know. We have pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I did. I got some fresh greens today at the store, so I am going to make a salad. Excellent. I hope this has been helpful. I know it's kind of a meandering conversation, but this has been how we've learned and like what we've implemented and stuff. And over time, hopefully we can continue to refine this and then talk about it and if you guys have any recommendations or anything for us, please let us know. It's raining. We got to go. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning listening. in. Love Bye. y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal2nomad.com/podcast. If you want to see more of what we're up to, we've documented our travels on YouTube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers. Check it out at youtube.com slash elsaray. Please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.